Customer Land is a podcast about customers, how to get more of them, how to keep them, what makes them tick. We talk to the experts, the technologies, and occasionally actual people, you know, customers, to find out what they're all about. So if you're a CX pro, a loyalty marketer, a brand owner and agency planner, if you're a CRM and personalization geek, if you're a customer service CSAT NPS nerd, you finally have a home. I'm Mike Giambattista. Welcome to Customer Land. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Laura Ronsky, Director of Research at SurveyMonkey, um, formerly Momentum, formerly SurveyMonkey, and back to SurveyMonkey again. Um, uh, before we get into all that, and I think it'd be fun to, uh, Laura, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm really, really happy to be here. So um, there's there's all kinds of news, and and we don't have to go too deep into this, but let's just talk about it a little bit. Recent announcement that you have a new CEO, Eric Johnson, um, and along with that, a return to your original brand name, which, because I know this is really important to your executives, I'm in favor of. I think that was a smart move. Please let them know that I said so. Um, I agree. <laughs> But there's so much brand equity. There's so much brand love. Everybody knew who you were, are, and what you do and were all about and the value brought to the table. So all in all, I think it was a brilliant move. Plus, it's just a fun, it's just a fun name that sticks. So um, yes, please let them know. Um, but beyond that, SurveyMonkey's put out a couple of reports recently that I believe you're in charge of, Laura, um, putting all this stuff together. So who better to help unpack Two specific reports, um, the titles of which are The State of CX, Emerging Trends, Challenges, and Opportunities. And if you're in the CX world or operate adjacent to the CX world, this is vital stuff. And there's some surprising data that came out of that. And the other one is called AI and the Customer Experience, the Ups and Downs and Up and Coming Opportunities. And I don't even need to talk about how vital this is right now because it's on everybody's uh, radar, everybody wants to know what's what. But I thought one of the interesting things, and we'll touch on this later, is um, how to use AI in ways that your employees and your customers actually like, they don't hate, which is a great angle, because people really ultimately want to know that. Yes. Anyway, um, so just for context, can you tell us about your role at SurveyMonkey, how you do what you do, what you do there? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I will say I joined SurveyMonkey back in 2015. Um, so I'm very much in favor. You know, I think the SurveyMonkey brand is a strong one. Uh, we have a long history at this point of putting out interesting research and helping customers use our platform and our product uh, to do whatever they're trying to do. So if they're CX professionals or HR professionals or market researchers, um, they will be able to find a way to use SurveyMonkey to pull together interesting insights that help inform their decisions. Um, I manage our research team. We are responsible for both kind of doing research that kind of demonstrates what you can do using our platform, but also we do research to help kind of move the product forward, develop new insights, um, you know, come up with interesting questions that we can ask ourselves that will help create something like a, a state of CX industry report that helps CX professionals um, you know, understand their own pain points, put that in reference to others, understand their customers' pain points so that they can, you know, change up the way that they do things. 
Um, and then we also, as part of our research team, uh, remit, we manage uh, some external media partnerships and academic partnerships. So we work with media outlets like uh, NBC, CNBC, Wall Street Journal, and others to field interesting, uh, you know, data on timely topics. Um, oftentimes, uh, that might be something related to, you know, the business, business decisions, the economy, politics, uh, things that people are thinking about. Um, and we're always using the SurveyMonkey platform to do that. Is that all you do there? Okay. That is what we do. Yep. That's right. <laughs> that's a lot. Well, let's let's dig in a little bit into the state of CX report. There, I think one overarching theme that I pulled out from the data was that there's a massive disparity between what executives, let's just say them broadly, executives um, think their customers know and want and expect versus what their customers actually think and know and expect. And um, three specific data points here that are basically each one of them is a jaw dropper, I think. <laughs> but but I'm just going to read them off here. And then if it's okay with you, let's just talk about what's behind each one as we go. Yep. Um, first one, 63% of CX and digital marketing pros say that AI has a positive impact on their customer service. Only 25% of consumers expect AI to positively impact their experiences. 63% of, of executives versus 25% of consumers. That's a big disparity. That's a big gap. Um, what do you think is behind that? I mean, I think it's one of those situations, I think this happens in a lot of different circumstances, right? I think businesses and professionals are experts in a certain field. They feel like they're doing all this work, they're putting all this effort, they're spending all this time and resources on this one specific thing, and they think it will immediately have an impact on their customer base or their audience or their employee base or whoever it is. So I think in this particular context, that's the disparity that we see, you know, that 63% of CX and digital marketing professionals, you know, expect AI to positively affect the customer experience. Um, I would say 82% also say it's a priority for their company. So like, this is the big thing that they are working on, but then does it actually translate to changing right. the customer experience? And, and maybe like, it might not be an immediate, you know, effect that takes place. Um, so 20, as you said, 25% of consumers expect that AI to positively impact their engagement and 32% expect it to have a negative uh, effect on their engagement. Um, so they're not, it, it just doesn't match up. They aren't seeing the, the intent translate to direct consequences immediately. The actual, yeah, and to be fair, this is anticipated effects too. Sure. So, you know, uh, you and I operate in this world, so to speak. We're probably a little bit more familiar with what AI can do right now and have some view to what it could be doing in the near future. Mm -hmm. uh, my sense is the average consumer just hears AI and, you know, may or may not be attuned to the negative uh, press about it and whatever the media may be saying and, and hyping. And as part of media, I understand that. But, you know, um, so I, I, I get that to an extent. The surprising part of that to me, though, was that um, whatever the statistic was, uh, 30, whatever percent that was expected to have a negative effect on their experience. 
Yeah, so I think as part of the survey, you know, we asked people to talk through some of their pain points that they have or, or some situations where AI might be helpful to them and where situations where AI would not be helpful. Um, so for the most part, you know, for CX in general, the good news from, from this report is that there is more optimism and more, more, more eagerness or willingness for consumers to uh, re interact with AI in the CX space versus, for example, the healthcare space or the education space or those sorts of industries. Um, so more people said that they would be eager to interact with AI if it's going to help them return an item of clothing or help them get an answer to a question than help them get you know, a diagnosis. Um, so in that side of things, there's some optimism, but there's there are still a lot of complaints that consumers have about times when they've interacted with AI thus far in a customer experience perspective. Um, I think, you know, that original stat that you mentioned, that that kind of disparity between the optimism that professionals have and the, the pessimism that consumers have is probably due to the fact that you know, CX professionals can kind of see around the corner a little bit. Right. They know what's coming and they know all of the things that are difficult for them to do in their jobs, you know, to incorporate all of this feedback from consumers all of the time to kind of, you know, act quickly on, uh, you know, you know, my bill didn't go through or I paid, I said that I paid and I didn't or, you know, vice versa or whatever it is. Um, and AI can act more quickly on that than a human can. And they know that the developments that are coming versus consumers are just thinking, you know, like, oh, that one time when oh, I had so to go what? Yeah. yeah, like that wasn't great. I would rather just get someone on the phone. Right. So that's that's a tricky point. Yeah. And and um, it would be interesting, too. I don't know if you have this data, but you know, to find out when you say AI in this context to a consumer, what are they what are they thinking of? And maybe they're just, as you mentioned, just thinking of past experiences with a chatbot that were suboptimal. Because let's face it, up until very recently, they kind of all were. <laughs> Many of them were. Let me be yeah. Fair. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, let me move on to another statistic. In uh, seventy two percent of CX and digital marketing pros say the level of customer experience their customer provides, their company provides rather, has improved following the pandemic and only 27% of consumers agree. Mm -hmm. um, that one is kind of incontrovertible. And there's no, I, I don't know how you can recontextualize that statement to make it anything but, oops, there's a disparity here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing I would add on to that. So, yes, I think we've seen the impact of COVID, you know, we're three years away from March 2022, 2020. Um, so we're kind of all used to this new space, but it's important to go back and think, how did this affect the way that we deal with, you know, that we interact with brands that we're buying from or companies that we're working with or, um, or you know, just how we go about our daily lives. Um, and what this report shows is that there are still effects that are kind of trickling down from COVID even three years later. Um, so a stat that I would add on to the one that you shared is that 46% um, of consumers say their expectations for service and experience, customer experience have remained the same 
But if you ask CX professionals, more than about three in fours, the customer expectations have increased as a result of COVID. So there's this kind of, it's both, it's both sides that are kind of disagreeing on how much COVID has affected things. So CX professionals are saying, hey, everyone has much higher expectations of us now than they did in, say, December 2019. Whereas at the consumer level, you kind of don't realize that. You just think like, oh, like I need, I need an answer right now. You know, like I need Amazon delivery tomorrow. I need this. And it's just kind of the new way of doing things. So we've gotten used to this, this heightened expectation that we didn't have before. I, I was privy to some to some research uh, a couple of months ago that that analyzed customer expectations on a category by category basis. And what they did, this is really interesting, and I think kind of fits here. What they did was they uh, surveyed to create an ideal customer expectation set mm-hmm. on, a, on a certain category, say automotive. Um, if you are a in the market to buy a car, you have certain expectations of of how this could go. What does an ideal circumstance look like, and what is sub that? Um, and then they surveyed uh, and evaluated brands and how they met those those ideal expectations. And their view was their data pointed to what the CX professionals are saying is that consumer expectations are in fact increasing uh, at a, an increasing rate. Mm-hmm. Which effectively left um, most brands in most categories with a widening gap between what those consumers expected in the category versus what the brand was able to provide. Just kind of always yep. increasing. Yep. So, and yep. you're right. Consumers don't really see it because we're them. You know, it's 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 our growth. We can't really see ourselves increase that way. I mean, I think the I think that's exactly true. I think the data in this report bear that out as well. And I think from a consumer level, you're kind of constantly comparing each experience with the best experience that you've had. So, you know, maybe before the standard was to not get a response from a company, you know, if you file a complaint or have a question for a few days. And now that just everything accelerates. Once one company can respond within minutes or hours, everything else compared to that becomes bad you know so it's just it's hard to keep up it's hard to keep up yep you heard it right here from laura ronsky i mean (laughs) she knows Um, i want to take a quick break from the conversation to tell you about one of our sponsors what could you achieve if you knew what your customers expected ahead of time what if you could know what customers expect by category and by brand 12 to 18 months ahead of traditional brand tracking methods? And what if you could know exactly where to adjust and where to spend in order to derive the most benefit every time? A customer expectation audit allows you to identify areas that require strategic reinforcement, as well as pinpoint which values will contribute most to an emotional bond with your brand and optimize accordingly. Customerland has partnered with Brand Keys the world's oldest loyalty-focused consumer research firm to bring real-world customer expectation audits to brands, brand managers, and to CX practitioners everywhere. Want to know where your brand stands and exactly what to do about it? Go to expectationaudit.com. That's expectationaudit.com and download a sample audit today. 
86% of CX and digital marketing professionals say their customers receive a personalized experience all or most of the time. And yet, and this was the kicker, only 8% of consumers feel they receive a consistently personalized experience. Mm-hmm. That's a big a big disparity. That, that one... Uh, indicates some serious failure on the part of on the part of CX professionals. And I don't yeah. know how you can tell that. I think it gets back to, you know, we talked uh you know at the beginning about how you can put all this work into, you know, your new email flow or, you know, a new website that you're building that will take people through the exact right path. But if it's not the type of personalization that someone is looking for, you know, if if you build a new website, but they really want to be able to get someone on the phone, um, it's still not going to feel personal to them. Um, So I think, I think there's still just this gap. I think, you know, it takes some time for these new behaviors to be built. Uh, In the report, we include some examples of, you know, suggested ways to try to personalize your experience for people. So, um, I actually think that there's a lot of opportunity for AI to play a bigger role here because, you know, you can kind of get more creative and come up with new ways to personalize things. Um, But, you know, leveraging your customer data and insights, personalizing promotions and discounts, um, really empowering your customer service team. Those are all kind of some of our recommendations for how companies can take, you know, different types of initiatives, you know, through different channels that they have available to them to increase that personalization. Um, And I think that what works for one company might not be the right solution for another. Right. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that personalization just meant having your first name on an email. Right. Exactly. Which, yeah. If that was ever effective, it was before my time. I'm <laughs> old, but not that old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you're right. Kind of along with the other other topic we we're talking about was just you know expectations increase, and that that's the same for personalization expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, we anticipate now being treated like we are the center of the conversation, which as customers, we should be. Um, If it's okay with you, I'd like to turn the attention right now to the AI report. Yeah. Um, Yes, we've already talked about AI uh, to an extent, but this one is is, um, so timely. And in addition to serious amounts of water cooler topics that you can find here, it's actually really important. If you're a CX professional and, and again, adjacent uh, professions that deal in customer engagement. Um, this is great stuff. It's just great stuff. So I'm going to again start off with a a uh, killer stat: um, the impact of customer service chatbots on NPS. And Tracy gave me the answer. It's your fault, Tracy. Uh, NPS is 72 points higher for human service agents than it is for AI. Right. And right. yet. The entire investment community is running as fast as they can towards AI enterprises. Yeah, so this was a fun one. We we tried to come up with NPS is such a key metric for CX professionals, right? So it's it's the industry standard. It's what everyone relies on to measure the success of not only their CX programs but but their business health overall. Um, we really wanted to kind of tease out can you measure the effect of having an AI versus a human handling, you know, these CX questions? So we asked everyone who responded to the survey, 
thinking about the last time you interacted with a human and thinking about the last time you interacted with an AI customer service agent, how likely is it that you would recommend that company to a friend or colleague? So we have the same question asked two different ways of everyone. And we found that the NPS score for people who had interacted with, a, with an AI customer service agent was negative 66. Not a great NPS score. No. <laughs> the score <not> for <laughs> the score for those who interacted with the human customer service agent was a six, which is also not a great also NPS not great. score. <laughs> let's let's be clear about that. A lot but, of opportunity there. Yes, but a lot of opportunity in both. But but just the discrepancy there at at these very early stages of let's of AI being used in the, in the CX world. So you know, like let's think about in this particular example, if you are you know, having a problem with your bank account and you are, you know, trying to use the chatbot function to, to get an answer to, um, you know, whatever problem you're dealing with. Um, if you can tell it's an AI or if you know it's an AI, you are much less likely to recommend that, that bank that you're working with than if you call someone and get a human on the phone and help them work through your problem with you. Um, so that shows up, uh, you know, in the NPS score itself, I'll also say there's a, you know, obviously a substantial difference in the promoter, the percentage of people who are promoters versus detractors for each of those. So um, for for this, the uh, respondents who uh, answered the question about dealing with an AI customer service agent, just 10% of people ended up being promoters for that brand versus 38% of promoters for when they got a human customer service agent. Um, similarly, 76% of people who thought about the time that they dealt with an AI customer service agent ended up being detractors versus 32% who ended up being detractors for a human. So, I mean, obviously you can tell there's going to be that big disparity just from the NPS score alone, but I think that this there's just a, a strong negative sentiment for the way that AI has been used for customer experience thus far. Um, and that's even relative to the fact that most of the time when people are dealing with the customer service, um, like, you know, it, it's it's oftentimes a, a challenging experience. Um, so there's already lots of room for improvement there. Right. Do you think that those that those data points have have more to do with the fact that we're we're talking about um the realm of of customer service, which you know, uh, outside of customer service itself, um, has a really negative perception overall. Um, yeah, I, I think thus far, the way that people are incorporating AI in their in their CX, you know, plans overall is mostly yeah on the customer service sort of level. Um, we did ask people in this report. Uh, you know, kind of different types of scenarios when they might be interested in having AI help them. So walking through a product uh, a product feature or a website, finding personalized deals, resolving customer service issues. In general, there's less enthusiasm for AI help on like resolving customer service issues and more on the kind of like the personalization aspect. So like we talked about earlier, I think that's where the real opportunity in AI is uh, in the CX space is how do you create a flow for someone where they're, they feel like they are getting this individualized um, attention and results that it's just for them versus they are, um, you know, trying to solve this problem that is just frustrating for everyone involved. Um, so I think that's where there is an opportunity. It's going to be fun to watch and see how that develops. Right. Um, so um, in your report, you're able to uncover what you just call innovative AI use cases that customers are excited about. We've talked mm -hmm. about what they're not excited about. 
where do you think customer excitement resides? Where is it pointing? I think, I mean, that there is a lot of opportunity in the CX world in general, right? So we have, uh, I think I mentioned before, in CX versus in medicine or in marketing, um, there is more desire to have AI be involved. So for example, in our, in our report, we found that 69% of people say they would be uncomfortable using AI to get medical advice or how to invest their savings. Um, however, 65% are comfortable with using AI to help with ordering food or beverages, which is kind of in the CX space, returning an item, which is in the CX space in some cases. So like there's, there's some opportunity there. Um, I would say more than kind of specific use cases or, or like industries or, or, or segments like that. What we found is that when people are looking to interact with a human, they are more interested in having, um, they have different priorities than when they say they're willing to interact with an AI. So when they are um, eager to interact with an AI or the people who say that they would prefer to interact with an AI, they 41% say that they think an AI has better availability than a human. 37% say that AI would be able to address their issues faster. And 30% say it would be able to provide more accurate information than a human would. Um, on the flip side, when people prefer a human over an AI, they say 61% say it's because a human understands their needs better. 53% say it's because a human provides more thorough explanations. 52% say it's because a human is less likely to frustrate me. Um, and 50% say a human gives me more <clears throat> options to address my issues. So those are, it's really just like, they're kind of mirror images of each other. If you prefer an AI, it's because you value speed, you value the kind of um, uh, the accuracy and the maybe lack of bias that an AI would provide. If you prefer a human, it's because you're looking for someone to, you know, kind of that empathy quotient that an mm -hmm. AI thus far is missing, that you want someone who understands your needs. 